Hi there. Welcome to Wooden Teeth, a podcast about health, politics, and policy. I'm your host, Jake Williams. The worst bros are CrossFit bros. That's what a friend of mine told me when I started doing CrossFit a few years back, and hopefully I haven't morphed into a certain undesirable archetype since I started CrossFit, and I hope you don't think the conversation with my guest today is going to be all about the grunting and athletic feats that occur in CrossFit gyms. I'm going to be speaking with Russ Green. He's the Director of Government Relations and Research for CrossFit Inc. While the focus of the company is on its now 15,000 gyms around the world, it's also developed a political agenda that takes on what it sees as an unholy alliance between corporations and government that negatively influences public health in America. Let's get to it. Here's my chat with Russ Green. Russ Green, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I think many people might be surprised that CrossFit has a government relations department. You are the director of government relations. But before we get into that, let's talk about what CrossFit is, because I think there is some confusion and concern there. Is it true that CrossFit is a dangerous cult of physical exertion that results in mass injury? (laughs) Yes, that is 100% accurate. No, I'm just kidding. Obviously, there are a lot of misconceptions out there. Uh, Some of those are honest misconceptions, and some of them uh, have been spread deliberately by CrossFit's competition, uh, which is where I come in, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But um, yeah, so CrossFit's several things. Um, First of all, it's a fitness methodology created by a guy named Greg Glassman, and it as a fitness methodology, it combines several elements, among them uh, weightlifting, uh, gymnastics, and bodyweight movements, and uh, what most people think of as cardiovascular exercise. So running, biking, rowing, jumping rope, and uh, CrossFit combines all those elements into uh, constantly varied workouts that uh, are different every day. Uh, so really the goal is to create a broad and inclusive level of fitness so that you're not just specializing in any one thing. You're not just trying to become the biggest and strongest lifter or the fastest runner, but someone who's capable across a broad range of physical challenges from lifting heavy weights to running, to moving his or her own body weight, you know, short workouts, medium length workouts, and long workouts. So that that's the fitness fitness methodology aspect of CrossFit. And uh, that existed for a long time before there was anything really else. But then in uh, around the turn of the uh, 21st century, there was a CrossFit gym finally created independently in Santa Cruz, California by uh, Greg Glassman. He had to create it because he got kicked out of almost every other gym in his area. So he decided he needed to start his own gym so that he could uh, continue training his clients. And um, from that uh, was spawned a website, uh, crossfit.com. And um, in an entirely unplanned manner, that uh, took off and rapidly spread around the world and really became uh, almost a revolution in the fitness industry. Uh, Within just uh, 15 years, CrossFit went from just one gym in the whole world to over 15,000 to the point where it's now the largest uh, gym company in the world by number of locations. 
And it's really transformed the fitness industry. It's introduced things into the fitness industry that were either extraordinarily rare or completely um, unheard of before. You know, for example, uh, gymnastics rings used to be extraordinarily expensive and you would never see them in a gym unless it was actually a gym specifically for gymnastics. But uh, CrossFit introduced gymnastics rings uh, into uh, fitness training in general and uh, also introduced them for both male and female training. In uh, gymnastics, only men use the rings and women do not. But in CrossFit, men and women use the rings. And um, now you'll see gymnastics rings in all kinds of gyms, not just CrossFit gyms, but, you know, many uh, different types of, uh, you know, what we call globo gyms. So your 24-hour fitnesses or uh, what have you will often have a pair of gymnastics rings and they'll often have an area in their gym that looks a whole lot like a CrossFit gym, you know. They'll have free weights, uh, rowing machines, uh, jump ropes, etc. So CrossFit is both that community of 15,000, over 15,000 independently owned and operated gyms that are uh, teaching their clients that methodology that I talked to you about, but it's also represents a larger revolution within the fitness industry towards, you know, several different things. One would be more functionality. So you're not just training to look good, but you're training to be more capable and healthier throughout the span of your life. Full disclosure, I, I'm a member of the cult. I've been doing this for, gosh, at least three, maybe about three years now. But I, you know, I get questions a lot when I tell people that I do CrossFit um, about the injuries. Like, oh, I know a guy who knew a guy who you know, broke his back doing um, you know, squats in CrossFit. Isn't it dangerous? And I know that's come up online and other forums what is your response to those concerns that have been raised? Yeah. Um, so the first point I would make is that every physical activity has an injury rate, right? Even if you're thinking of something like jogging or yoga or swimming or bodybuilding, they all have injury rates. So, you know, it's not enough to just point to someone, you know, who did CrossFit and tweak their shoulder to show that it's dangerous you actually have to look at the rate of injury in CrossFit and then compare it to other physical activities, right? And every time anyone has ever done that, they found that the injury rate in CrossFit is either lower than or comparable to other physical activities, you know, such as uh, running, such as uh, conventional weight training, et cetera. And despite the fact that all legitimate evidence on CrossFit shows that its injury rate is, you know, either lower than or comparable to other physical activities, it's not an accident that there's this myth going around that it's so dangerous and it's hurting all these people. And that's because when CrossFit went from one gym in the whole world to 15,000, it sort of became a threat to the status quo in the industry and those um, other fitness training organizations, such as the National Strength and Conditioning Association and the American College of Sports Medicine, uh, went about publishing uh, baseless and or fraudulent papers where they would just claim that CrossFit was dangerous without substantiating their claim with any evidence at all. Or in one case, they actually fabricated a number where 
they said that 16% of a group had to drop out of CrossFit training due to injury. And we now know that not a single one of those people that the, the study claimed had been injured by CrossFit actually were. And uh, the study since been retracted and corrected, but um, it did an immense amount of damage. It was published about five years ago. And as soon as it was published, it was picked up by mainstream media. Outside Magazine even put on its uh, cover, I think the title was, Is CrossFit Destroying the World? So it's not an accident that so many people have um, fallen for these myths about CrossFit. So we've talked about the physical activity. Um, what about the dietary component? CrossFit's often associated with the paleo diet. Is there an official connect connection there in programming with, with CrossFit, or is there like a, a parallel to the paleo diet that some CrossFitters happen to adopt and promote? Yeah, definitely a whole lot of CrossFit gyms do the paleo diet. I would say it's consistent with CrossFit's nutritional paradigm, but it's not necessary in order to follow CrossFit's nutritional paradigm to follow the paleo diet. And it might seem like I'm splitting hairs here, but, you know, there are things like, for example, uh, legumes, you know, like string beans, peanuts, they're not allowed on the paleo diet. But, you know, for as far as I know, at least CrossFit's official prescription would have no, no real issue with them. Um, the, the most commonly heard statement uh, that you'll hear in CrossFit about nutrition I'm sure you've heard this, Jake, is eat meat and vegetables, nuts and seeds, some fruit, little starch, and no sugar. And then also keep intake to levels that will support exercise, but not body fat. And that second part is, is often omitted, but it's actually really important as well. Um, there's, you know, there's a variety of ways you can do that, right? There are people who focus more on tracking their macronutrients, so their protein, fat, and carbohydrates, and that can take multiple forms. You know, a lot of people do about 40, 30, 30, 40% carbohydrate, 30% protein, 30% fat. And, um, you know, some people like to do the paleo diet. Um, but generally what it's about is either uh, reducing or eliminating the added sugar and the refined carbohydrates from, from your diet. And that is, um, that can take a whole lot of different uh, forms, you know, and there are a whole lot of different diets and names of diets, but you know, it all kind of boils down to that general principle. Okay, so let's talk about the politics of CrossFit. It seems like the political identity of CrossFit is hard to pin down because the the founder of CrossFit, Greg Glassman, has been associated with a libertarian approach, and there is an association with the military with branches of service flags in um, each gym and workouts named after fallen soldiers. But at the same time, CrossFit has been taking on big corporate interests in food and healthcare, and has even supported sugary drinks taxes. And I found a 2018 article in Quartz that called CrossFit the gayest sport on the planet. So how do you untangle this? Help me out. Like what, what, what are the politics of CrossFit? Yeah, a great question. I think the, the easiest and most direct answer to that is, uh, I'm going to quote Greg Glassman on this, and he says he's a single issue guy and that issue is health. So he has individual and personal political views, as we all do, but he sees them as all secondary to this much larger issue of the crisis that's happening in America's health. 
And so what is your uh, policy agenda? I know you've taken on, as I just mentioned, big corporate interest in food and health. What does that look like? What are your goals? It's funny. You can often have a, a problem that's going on in America, a political problem, and everyone sees the same problem that's going on, but conservatives will explain it one way and liberals or progressives will explain it another way. And generally, the conservatives are going to blame big government, right? And the liberals and progressives are going to blame corporations. And what we've come to discover, at least in the field of public health, is that they're both right and they're both wrong. And what I mean by that is that there's no real, real separation in public health and, and in the authorities of public health between corporate interests and government interests. There is actually what's called uh, public-private partnerships. Most people have never heard of these, but for example, agencies such as the National Institutes of Health or the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention are not just funded by taxpayers, but rather also by conflicted corporations. So by opioid companies, by soda companies, by food companies, by the National Football League, etc., and they're funded through uh, what they themselves call money laundering organizations, which are um, foundations that are created by Congress and funded by Congress, but technically not governmental entities. And so they're not subject to the Freedom of Information Act. And they're also not subject to the same conflict of interest policies that the federal government is subject to. So what they do is they raise money from these conflicted corporations and then direct it towards federal government programs and research. And what that's facilitated is really a disgust, I, I can't describe it in any other way, a disgusting level of corporate influence on U.S. public health agencies. And that's coincided with um, at least what I see as probably the worst trend in United States um, health outcomes in a century. That is, we've had... Um, three consecutive years of declining life expectancy here in the United States. And the last time that happened was between 1916 through 1918. In other words, when World War I and the Spanish flu epidemic happened to coincide. That's the last time we had three consecutive years of declining life expectancy. So I haven't answered your question yet, but I'm getting to it. CrossFit's agenda, therefore, is we've discovered this disgusting level of corporate capture of the health and fitness spheres. And our agenda is to drive it out. We think the soda industry and uh, really the junk food industry as a whole, because it's intertwined with the soda industry, uh, has no place in fitness and in health. And uh, we're doing our damnedest to expose that corruption where it's occurring and remove it. Can you provide an example of um, how a corporate interest has, you know, partnered with or infiltrated, however you want to phrase it, um, a government entity in a way that is contrary to the interests of public health? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, did you hear about the planned uh, NIH alcohol partnership? Tell me more. Yeah, they were going to call it the Cheers program. Cheers as in like, you know, what everyone says when they're about to drink. Right. Uh, yeah, it was a 
I, I don't remember the exact number, but it was a public-private partnership facilitated through the NIH Foundation where they were going to spend about $100 million, all of it coming from uh, the alcohol industry. And if you look at the documents and the communications, it's very clear that the goal was to show that um, drinking alcohol is good for your health. And uh, NIH actually shut it down before it happened because of, well, first of all, the public outcry, but also because their own internal investigation showed that some pretty um, improper communication and contact was happening between the NIH personnel on the study and the alcohol industry. And notionally, at least, the NIH foundation is supposed to be sort of a firewall between the NIH and corporate donors, but that doesn't actually uh, always happen in practice. And, you know, that's just one example. There was also a planned um, NIH opioid partnership with the opioid industry that was uh, recently shut down, though it's actually continuing in some untoward ways that we can get into later. Uh, similar things have happened with Coca-Cola and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And uh, the bottom line is, is that when Congress created these foundations, for example, the CDC Foundation and the NIH Foundation, it's stipulated that they needed to annually report to the public the source amount and restrictions pertaining to each corporate donation that they received. And they've not been doing that. So it's no wonder that when you have this complete lack of transparency about corporate funding, that this shady, conflicted uh, collusion between conflicted industries and the federal government projects uh, is uh, allowed to fester. So CrossFit is a for-profit company who seems to be doing quite well. Why bother with this political agenda that is related, uh, I would say, to your line of work, but not, not necessary for your business to operate? Like, why, why has Greg Glassman, why has the organization pursued this path? So, first of all, um, you know, as you mentioned, the dietary aspect of CrossFit, the, the no-sugar aspect of it, that's been around since the beginning, right? There was no political plan about that. Greg Glassman just observed that if he wanted his clients to become as fit and healthy as possible, well, they needed to uh, severely reduce or eliminate uh, the refined carbohydrates and added sugar from their diets. So that's been there from the start. But then the newer element is, I mentioned before, these entities, the, the National Strength and Conditioning Association and the American College of Sports Medicine, they started publishing baseless and fraudulent uh, claims about CrossFit. And then we started to look a little deeper and we found out that they happened to be sponsored by Coca-Cola and Pepsi, at, well, both in the case of the American College of Sports Medicine and just Pepsi in the case of the National Strength and Conditioning Association. So that was a red flag at first. And then we came to find out that essentially um, this soda industry had co-opted uh, the status quo elements of the fitness industry. Uh, as Greg Glassman says, um, 
he really sees the fitness industry, the major players in the fitness industry as being divided between um, CrossFit and soda and soda sponsored entities. And it's really that starkly divided. And our conflict with soda and its proxies, you know, has taken many different forms. Um, you know, obviously we've sued them for the false claims that they've made about us. We've also uh, lobbied NDC to get Congress um, first aware of and then to encourage them uh, to, to reprimand the CDC and NIH foundations for their lack of compliance with transparency requirements. Um, we've also, for example, been lobbying on the issue of nutritional licensure. That is, uh, we think it's imperative that fitness trainers have the right to speak freely to their clients about nutrition, to advise them to decrease or eliminate, for example, uh, sugary beverages from their diets. But there are uh, laws in many states that either restrict or, or completely prevent them from uh, speaking freely about nutrition. And um, whenever you look into the entities um, supporting such restrictions, they uh, have long-term relationships with the food and beverage industry. So it's both a matter of conviction on our part that these products are toxic, but also um, the companies making them are sponsoring efforts that are directly at odds with CrossFit's core mission and with, cross, with the interests of CrossFit's affiliates. So you are the director of government relations for CrossFit. What are some of the tactics that you and your colleagues are employing to influence public policy? We work at every level you could possibly imagine, you know, from just a city level, you know, so for example, a city in Ohio uh, is taxing gyms and, you know, meanwhile, they have... Well, wait, wait. you say they're taxing gyms? Gyms, specifically. Yeah. And, <laughs> and meanwhile, they have fast food restaurants popping up left and right, dozens of them in their town. So, our, you know, our humble suggestion to the city is that maybe they consider taxing junk food instead of places where people are trying to get healthier. Um, that's on the city level. On the state level, we're opposing uh, nutritional licensure, which is what I talked to you about, uh, you know, laws that restrict the ability of people to speak freely to other um, citizens about nutrition. We're working on that issue in, in a number of states. And then also on the federal level, um, we are trying to uh, first call attention to and then uh, address in some way uh, this problem of conflicts of interest between uh, federal public health agencies and the uh, industries that are in many ways culpable for the public health crises that we are now facing today. You also recently launched a new initiative called CrossFit Health. What, what's that all about? Yes, that really has... Um, two components. Uh, the overall goal, though, is to sort of correct what you talked about earlier, which is all these misconceptions about CrossFit. You know, people think that CrossFit is dangerous or that it's just about competition. They think it's just what they've seen on the TV, you know, the CrossFit games on ESPN or CBS. But what we're trying to do is show that what's already happening at CrossFit affiliates is a, in many ways, a miracle of health. 
you know, you've got people who are reversing their diabetes, you've got people changing their diets for the better, people becoming active for the first time, and also developing um, really strong social relationships and participating in communities in a way that um, is really hard to find anywhere else. Um, so what CrossFit Health is doing is trying to show that CrossFit's not not just this competitive endeavor, but rather that the main work that our affiliates are doing, the most important work that they're doing is transforming and improving the health of their clients and their communities. And uh, so how we're actually doing that takes a variety of forms. One of those uh, includes just creating content about what Greg Glassman calls the mess, which is just examining the root causes of how we got to the point that U.S. life expectancy has declined three years in a row. How is it that we got to the point that so many um, bedrock studies in the fields of health and fitness are not replicating you know, what's known as the replication crisis? Why is scientific misconduct apparently so rampant in these fields? Why are um, the authorities and um, public health institutions uh, that are notionally supposed to be protecting the public's health, why are they partnering with uh, these conflicted industries? So, so just examining those questions, examining the mess, as I said. And then also CrossFit's been holding uh, what we call MDL1s. So these are CrossFit seminars specifically for medical doctors, for physicians, and um, those have been happening, gosh, about once every month or two, mostly in California, but also in, in other parts of the world. And um, we estimate that there are about at least 20,000 physicians who do CrossFit in the United States at a CrossFit affiliate, and probably about twice that around the world. And uh, it's our goal through these seminars to basically turn them from isolated nodes into a um, mobilized and networked community. So it sounds like you have a full plate um, over there at CrossFit. I'm wondering, what, what, is your, what was your professional journey to CrossFit and where you're at now? <laughs> uh, that's a great question. So I've, I've worked for CrossFit for nine years. This is the only real like full-time job I, I've ever had, believe it or not. I went to college in a completely unrelated field. I studied uh, international politics and Arabic. And um, I worked a little bit as an uh, Arabic interpreter and translator, but that was only ever part-time. So when I graduated from Georgetown in 2009, it was really only just over a year before I started working at CrossFit. So I've done a lot of different things at CrossFit. Uh, you know, I've helped cover the CrossFit games. I've worked on the social media staff. Um, I've worked pretty closely with the legal team. And, uh, you know, now for the past few years, my uh, main focus has been, as you said, uh, government relations and research. But I'm also still working pretty closely with our legal efforts. And finally, a little bit of CrossFit workout content. What is your favorite CrossFit workout and what is your personal best score on said workout? <laughs> I got to be honest. I've done it for 15 years. I don't think I like any of them, really. I mean, I... <laughs> yeah. It's a love-hate thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, 
you know, I, I like deadlifts, but I wouldn't say any workout with deadlifts is necessarily my favorite workout. Wow. I'm completely evading your question. How shameful. I, I, I would think just thinking about it. I haven't done it for years, but do you know the workout Amanda? I know it. I'm sure I've done it. What, tell me the rep scheme again. It's nine reps, then seven, and then five each of uh, ring muscle-ups and snatches. And um, the snatches are squat snatches done at 135. I think I've done it in about five minutes, which is not a really great score, but I just really admire the, uh, the elegance and simplicity uh, of the workout. Yeah, that's definitely better than me. So I, I admire the, uh, the efficiency with which you can do it. I can't even do a ring muscle-up yet, so um, you, you got me there just for starters. You really got to work on your strict pull-ups and on your ring dips first and really uh, build up a, a strong foundation there. And if you do that, the, uh, the ring muscle-up will actually come faster than you think. I'll keep working on it. And at the risk of boring the non-crossfitters with this conversation, this seems like a great place to end the, <laughs> to end the interview. I, uh, I really appreciate the time. Uh, what you're doing at CrossFit is fascinating. Thank you, Russ Green. Thank you, Jake. Appreciate it. There it is. Thanks again to Russ Green for doing the pod. You can find out more about CrossFit at CrossFit.com. Thanks also, of course, to you for listening. Please consider subscribing if you haven't already, and I'll see you next week.